Moshi Moshi. Hello. I'm Zeb Ramsbotham. And I'm Annie Ramsbotham. And we're the Rambling Ramsbothams. Our journey might be rambling, but we hope this podcast doesn't. And this week, it's not going to be rambling because we're going to keep it short and sweet. If you've probably noticed by just looking at the length of this podcast, it's a kind of different format because we thought it might be fun to do a round of fun facts instead. (laughs) And so I have a list of things that I found out this week and Zeb also has a list. And I'm going to try to share the things that I found out with Zeb and maybe he didn't know some of them and vice versa. And if you have any fun facts or... If you think one of us had the most interesting facts or maybe something you learned, email us at ramblingramsbothams at gmail.com and yeah, let us know. Tell us who won because yeah, everything's because we wanted this to be a competition, <laughs> but then we didn't know how to decide who, who won, who had the most fun fact. All right. You go first. Tell me your fun, fun fact. All right. So this is a big one because this is my word of the week and a fun fact. Whoa. Do you know what a konkatsu is? No. So a kankatsu is a spouse hunting party. Oh. And it's a party that's for people who are actively looking to get engaged. And big news this week, uh, sometimes government organizations put these on, like cities and town halls will organize kankatsus to get get the local young people out to try and get married. Wow. But that's the controversy because at a recent one in Tokyo, when they were... Um, advertising it, they advertised an older age for men and a younger age for women as the requirement. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, how much people, was this age gap? I think it was something like women could be twenty-three to forty-four, and I think the men could be up to like fifty or Yikes. something. Uh, so yeah, they rightfully caused a little bit of an uproar and got in trouble. But then this took me down a rabbit hole that I started looking into it. And you can see some articles from, I think it was like 2018. There was a kankatsu that was a cruise. And 26 women were invited to apply. And they would undergo an inspection. Oh, my. And then their photos would be taken and put on a flyer that would be published. And any man could sign up to come onto the cruise ship. I guess there was, you know, of course, the cruise ship has a certain limit for how mm. many people can be on it. But naturally, the men didn't go under any inspection. And That's weird. Yeah, you would go on a little cruise around Japan. They advertised it as like you would be one of 26 princesses. And yeah. it was like a big thing. I could maybe see the appeal if there were like hundreds of men and you could choose from them. And then like the women have the upper hand. But the whole thing is a bit creepy because then the men have been like scoping you out and like. Yeah, because they've already seen you on the flyer, so they know. So this is maybe the downside, is which I thought this was a little funny. So kankatsu is a combination of kekankatsudo, and that's a spinoff of shukatsu, which is from shushoku katsudo, which means job hunting. So it's a play on the word for job hunting. So a lot of people said it's kind of got this bleak image to it because it's like you're looking for a job, except you're looking for a spouse. Hmm. Not to be confused with tonkatsu, which is fried fried pork pork cutlet. cutlet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's this whole interesting dating culture in Japan. And then there's also gets into the rabbit hole of their marriage brokers, which you can submit a profile to. And they will do some matchmaking. And apparently you pay a very large fee uh, and apparently all this really got kicked off after the earthquake in 2011. 
They said mm. a lot of people realized their mortality and realized that they needed to be in a relationship. Well, those are some heavy topics. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, how I'm starting this podcast. Wow. <laughs> that's my fun fact well, and word of the week. We've already checked that box. At least at least I got you. But what, what I hope you got? that the future cruises go well for everyone in there. Little Maybe we should sign up. Their parties. Now all I can <laughs> yeah. think of is tonkatsu, like yeah. little pork cutlet parties. Well, it's kind of what you're like. You're like a little <laughs> pork cutlet just out there on display. On a buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's looking. All right. We got to be faster at this. We're already bad at this format. But mine is uh, also relevant to this week. Was just found out in the news that actually the number of Japanese islands is doubled. Did oh, you hear I, about this? Yeah, I did see this. Oh, man. There was like a survey a digital survey they made a map yes but did you know well maybe you do know this because you probably read the article but i had no idea that so japan had 6852 islands according to the japan times and they didn't just add a few on there they added now they're up to 14,125 islands isn't that wild yeah it really is well i think it's because i was reading the old survey was like a hand count yeah like they looked at like a picture (laughs) they just sailed around and counted counted them yeah so i understand and they were like we're good we never need to look at this ever again with satellites that makes sense i mean (laughs) if there's no like humans on them i guess like what does it really matter if it's like one big landmass or a clump of three small landmasses. So it's nothing crazy because it doesn't, they said that it doesn't add anything to their, the Japanese territory or the territorial waters, Mm -hmm. but still fun fact, I guess. Good to know. It's like if you put glasses on and looked at a map, all of a sudden there's. It's like like, you when you take your contacts out and put your glasses (laughs) on. That tree has leaves. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Your, your turn. Oh, um, what do you know about sheep? I know you like them. So the first sheep was brought to Japan in 1857. And they were originally being raised for wool to support the military, like blankets, uniforms, mm. that kind of stuff. And what did we eat when we were in Sapporo? Uh, veal. Mutton from sheep. We ate mutton? Yeah, that was sheep meat Oh, for Genghis Khan. <laughs> <laughs> so we were eating some sheep. News <laughs> <And> to me. <laughs> Well, <laughs> it is a fun fact. Yeah. Are they popular in Hokkaido now? No, because in 1931, there was a book published that included 30 recipes to how to cook lamb and mutton because originally people thought, the Japanese people thought the meat was inedible. It was too stinky, didn't taste good. They didn't like it. They hmm. only wanted the wool. So in 1931, some guy published a book, had 30 recipes, and one of those recipes was Genghis Khan. And then in 1936, the first Genghis Khan restaurant opened, but it didn't really become popular until the 50s. Hmm. And I wonder what they called it before before it just started becoming called Genghis Khan. Uh, Apparently nothing. Apparently one of the recipes was called Genghis Khan. And so people took that recipe and that was like the one of the 30 recipes that people liked. Also, I'm kind of hung up on the fact, so I guess it's not that surprising if they didn't have sheep, they didn't have wool. Were all their clothes made out of silk or did they have cotton? I think they have cotton. Interesting. Yeah, because also, this could be one of my fun facts. There's a denim alley somewhere in a town that is very famous for their denim production in here. Well, in Japan, Japan, just some random town (laughs) that's very not specific. Sorry. So they, they, yeah, the first sheep were brought over in 1857 for the wool. Well, how are you going to top that? What you got? I don't know if I can, but Uh-oh. did you know 
that for every singular person, there are 23 vending machines. No, I didn't know that. I could have guessed. Yeah, it's but. not terribly surprising. But then I got into a little rabbit hole on vending machines because I was like, well, what's the craziest thing that comes out of a vending machine? But they're actually... Used underwear. Probably. I don't know. That's nasty. But That's a thing. Ew. That's actually something that comes Fun out, fact. Of, out of a vending machine? I thought you just like came up with that in no, your like, weird mind. No, sorry. <laughs> Ew. Was... Okay, moving along from that. <laughs> the, Japan's not the only place with wild vending machines because apparently you can get gold to go machines in dubai um Uh apparently the raw milk machines exist in france and the world's first automated burrito kiosk was in a mobile gas station in california and none of those are terribly wild is that a vending machine though i well i guess burrito kiosk because then you're talking about like the pizza machines or are they pizza vending machines? Oh, yeah. Anything Japan? you put a coin in and press a button and something comes out, I feel like that's a vending machine. Okay. If a person's in there, it's not. But, yeah. <laughs> it's not terribly exciting. It's just a burrito. But they're a small man in this machine <laughs> making burritos. <laughs> but there used to be a mashed potato machine that 7-Eleven made, and they apparently have discontinued them. No clear reason was given, says the article, although expensive upkeep, fading popularity, and potential food safety, food safety concerns were mentioned. <laughs> yeah, were they were powdered potatoes? Yeah, so apparently it was powdered potatoes, and it would, like, mm. mix it like coffee and just, like, squirt out some, like, mm. mashed potatoes for you. I don't know why anybody bought that, but that's yeah, probably why, why they, they don't make it even, anymore. Why did they make it to begin with? Yeah. Why were they like, this is a good idea? I don't know. But what's... It's the weirdest thing you found in a vending machine that you've seen, not on the internet. I don't really know. I mean, I I would say it's not weird to me anymore, but the first time we were here, the canned corn soup. Oh, yeah. That really got me. Yeah, I was surprised because it it sounds really gross, but it's actually really delicious. Yeah. So I would say that, like, just at first, because as an American, Mm -hmm. that caught me off guard. But now, I don't think it's that weird. When we were in Hokkaido last week, we saw that vending machine that was like a gotcha machine with the toys. Yeah, I like that one. And there was one that it was a set of toys you could choose from and it was called like It was a girl with something on her face or something. It was like a broken umbrella, a rainy day, something on my face and me. <laughs> I was like, is this a poem or what what is this? And you would put a coin in and you would either get a little girl with like an egg splattered on her face or like a fish that blown like onto a frog. her face. Yeah, and all was her this umbrella stuff. was broken. Yeah. And you got the one with an egg. Yeah, that's one I wanted. Splattered onto her face. You know what that probably is? It's probably someone that liked making little models, but they weren't good at doing faces. So they were like, <laughs> I'm just going to make it so. Let's cover her face. Yeah, she has something on her face. All right, coming up in my third place. Fun fact. What do we drink that we really like here in Japan? Especially when it's hot out. What, one thing? Yeah. Um, the salty lychee drink? Close. Mm. I don't know. Bakari sweat. Oh, that's what you like. <laughs> I, you don't like it? I like it. Not not no, nearly as good. much as you like it. Well, did you know, sometime in the late 1970s, an Atska pharmaceutical company employee was in Mexico suffering from violent diarrhea. Oh, gosh. And unfortunately, he was losing too many fluids, ended up in the hospital. Doctors told him he needed to rehydrate. They only gave him like a little fizzy, like carbonated drink. Mm-hmm. He didn't think that was sufficient. And apparently he happened to notice a doctor 
after a long surgery, drinking from an IV bag Ew. to rehydrate himself. <laughs> Some vampire doctor in the back. Well, like, like, you know, like the saline probably solution, like IV bags, not like a blood bag. Well, yeah. No, I just mean like when he just saw the doctor like sink his teeth into the bag hanging on the frame. They had like there. a funny little comic of it. And it looks like he like snipped the tip off and was like drinking it out of the bag. Okay. Anyway, when he returned to Japan, he noticed that jogging had become a popular activity here. So he wanted to create a drink to rehydrate people because wow. he had suffered from his very poor hydration in his terrible time in Mexico. So... Since he works for a pharmaceutical company, which I didn't know, they're not owned by a drink company. It literally, like, it's Otsuka Pharmaceutical Company. <laughs> that's, that's like, interesting. that's the parent company. That'd be like if, like, um, it's like if Coke was owned by, like, Pfizer or something. Like Gatorade was owned by Johnson & Johnson. Yeah. It's all a little weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess people drink uh, Pedialyte. That's true. Is, like a pharmaceutical company. That's true. Company. It is like Pedialyte. He knows that. So he started making a bunch of samples. And the rest is history. In 1982, Bakari Sweat became a big hit in Japan. And this is another double, get two words the week this week. Bakari is a catchy word that conveys the image of a clear blue sky. Does it? Yeah. And apparently it was taboo to have a blue drink label until Bakari Sweat came along. Don't know. (laughs) What is that? But that's what they put on their website, on their About Us. (laughs) That this was taboo until we did it. What trendsetters. Yeah. And then they also had a very funny snippet. On their website, they claim to be the pioneers of a new drink industry of something to drink after you sweat. Mm. But I looked it up and Gatorade was invented in 1965. Mm. Bakari Sweat didn't come around until 1982. So they just never heard of Gatorade? Uh, Yeah, apparently. Mm. Apparently in Mexico when this guy was in the hospital, he didnn't have any Gatorade. And Mm. so he came back to Japan and pioneered. Seems like a potential marketing scheme. Drink industry. But yeah, that's a little bit about. One of our favorite summertime drinks, Bakari Sweat. <laughs> mm, sweaty. Yeah. Well, did you know that Japan sells more adult diapers than children's diapers? No, but that's, I guess, also not surprising <laughs> considering yeah. the news of the collapsing. <laughs> oh, yeah, what, yes. um, omutsu. Is that what they were? Oh, I can't remember. Uh-oh. I just remember your friend was like, I got to get the paper pants. I met that baby today. Yeah. yeah. Was it as cute as For the first time. expected? Yeah. Oh. Little potato. I had a great outfit on. Oh, well, yeah. someone dressed up that little potato. Yeah, the the mom. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure it was very precious. Yeah. Well, as a sub fun fact in the same category, Japan has the highest rate of cent- centenarians, so people that live to be a hundred or more. So I guess that's by like percentage. Yeah, point zero six percent of the population, which sounds like not very many, but yeah, that does sound like nothing. But it's more than any other country. Hmm. And what I thought, my fun fact, I thought that the oldest person lived in Okinawa. And I don't know where I read that from because now I couldn't find that fact because I I think that was wrong. Because the current oldest person is actually Maria Brañas in Spain. And she lived, she, right now she's 115 years old. But the it's oldest all those person. Sheets. Yeah, maybe. It's like olive oil, just embalming. Ew. Just keeping her alive. <laughs> Poor Maria. Sorry. Sure, she looked great. The oldest person to have ever lived was also not Japanese. She was French. Hmm. Yeah. Jean Jean? Jean Louise Cal Jean Louise Calment. And she was 122 years old and 164 days. Goodness. They asked her on her 120th birthday what she expected from the future, and she said, I expect a short one. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's pretty good. Yeah. She sounds fun. She's still with it at 120. Yeah. How many of the Japanese people do you think are still alive? I don't know. Because have you seen that article? Like how many centenarians are still alive? Yeah. I don't, well, I don't know. There what was like mean? a little news article about this. So the government pays you like, you know, your stipend or whatever. And they had been paying out this person and they hit, it was like some ridiculous age, like 120 or something. Oh, and, they and so the government, actually... yeah, the government went to like congratulate them. And when they got there, the person was like, had been dead for like 20 years and the family was just collecting the check. Oh, I bet that <laughs> happens a lot. Yeah. If it's that easy to do. So this one's a short one. All right. So what do I love that's not super popular in Japan? Oh, what a random question. I don't know. Pro cycling. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say like cheese or something. Yeah, that's true. Cheese. <laughs> yeah, like some sheep's cheese. Yeah, okay. Be hard to get some yes. here because uh, they think it's stinky and inedible. Well, it but, is stinky, but in a good way. Yeah. But it's pro cycling. Okay. Do you know who... Masatoshi Ichikawa is? Um, no. Oh, okay. Hmm. He's Japan's first ever Grand Tour rider. Wow. He completed uh, the 1980 Giro d'Italia. Wow. What year? 1980. Sorry. Well, I just said he completed the 1980 Giro d'Italia. Oh, cut <laughs> that said, part out. What year? No, I'm leaving that in. Oh, God. So, and then Japan didn't have their first Tour de France riders until 2009. Wow, that seems really recent. Yeah, with Fumiyuki Beppu and Yuki Arashiro. Wow, trailblazers. Yeah, who Fumiyuki Beppu just recently retired. And the guy that owns the local bike shop here in Uchinata knows him. Wow, he could shake <laughs> the hand of history. Yeah. That's pretty Except neat. Fumiyuki lives in uh, France with his French mm. wife. Mm. and he only comes back to japan sometimes it's <laughs> a nice life i don't blame him <laughs> they got sheep's <laughs> cheese over there yeah so yeah the pro cycling scene in japan's a little yeah well there's plenty of room for people to get out there i guess yeah why not that was a short one so on to you well my fact i don't really know this is a kind of rambling one because i got into a into a rabbit hole on cats and trains but do you know what Bakaneko is? Dumb cat? Bakaneko? <laughs> Bakaneko. Oh. But it is a cat. It's a changed cat. And it's oh. a type of Japanese yokai. So like a mythical creature. They have a cat one, which I know you love cats. What does he do? Um, he dances. So apparently there are some changed magical cats at the Otoriba, Otoriba station in Kanagawa Prefecture. Because Odoriba translates to dancing place, and it's apparently a nod to the fact that the area was a dancing place for cats, not humans. And they say that they have all these little cats that dance around. And On four feet, or do they stand on two feet and dance? I, I don't know like when this happened, but they say that there were Japanese yokai-type cats that were believed to have danced and talked like humans. And so <laughs> that sounds cool. Yeah. I would love to see that. But they the station itself like they built the roof to look like cat ears and they have cat themed things all over the station and little paw prints everywhere. And so that was like that's pretty neat. I want to get on a cat train. Yeah, we should go there. Yeah, and apparently in the area where the station is, apparently there used to be a soy sauce shop and the couple that owned the shop, their cat, they would say that the tingi 
tanugi hand towels would keep getting dirty every night because the cat would put them on their heads and dance around with them. That's what they said that their cats would do. And that apparently they came into the kitchen one night and saw their striped tabby cat leading the other cats in the neighborhood in a dance. So Sounds like a cool guy. Yeah. So that you can go to the little cat dancing train station. Well, I had one fact left. All right. What do I really love every day? This is like trivia for me. Yeah. Coffee. Yep. Coffee in Japan. So it wasn't until 1700 that Dutch traders brought coffee to Japan. But the first coffee shop didn't open until 1888 Mm. and went bankrupt five years later. Wow. It wasn't until 1933 that Tadao Ueshima founded a coffee business in Kobe and became known as the father of coffee in Japan. Unfortunately, during World War II, Japan banned the import of coffee because it was seen as something that the West used. Uh, So coffee didn't really catch on again until the 1970s when Japan imported a bunch to test the local market. Hmm. And then Dotor, Japan's first coffee chain, didn't open until 1980. And also... It's pretty interesting. I thought this was fun. Apparently, the Starbucks that opened in Ginza in 1995 was the first international chain to open in Japan for hmm. coffee. But that was also, I think, Starbucks's first international chain that they opened. That's cool. Yeah. Also, Starbucks menu in Japan is way superior to America. They yeah. just have so many seasonal drinks. Yeah, so we can go there in Tokyo. Wow. So that's why they have actors like Tommy Lee Jones and Brad Pitt advertise their coffee because it's thought of as a very western thing wow. and so they think of it as something that americans and europeans do hmm. uh and uh, just as comparison the first coffee was introduced in europe in 1526 when the turks invaded hungary and within a year there was coffee in vienna wow yeah thank goodness for coffee i know i didn't know that apparently coffee really wasn't used until like the 1400s but hmm. they're like stories about coffee being used in the 800s but they think they're just about, like, legends just in europe no like like that was in the middle east that coffee was used hmm. in 1400s and then there's like stories in the middle east that go back to the 800s I wonder but about, they think like, they're just legends and they're not America. real i don't know what according to wikipedia coffee was well like we a, all know wikipedia is the most well, yeah trusted source it's a middle eastern thing hmm. because it came from like ethiopia and places like that interesting Well, my last fact is also my word of the week, which is emoji. And I didn't know until this week that emoji is actually a Japanese word. I just thought it was like a combination of emotion, like emoticon kind of thing. Mm. And it just happens to be related, like to sound kind of like emotion. But there's three kanji characters that make up emoji, emoji. Mm -hmm. And e is picture, the kanji for like a drawing or a picture. Emoji is character. So it's like a pictograph, the yeah. Japanese word for pictograph. I had no idea. I just <laughs> thought it was like some little emotion character that was yeah. a made-up English word. But we just borrow it from Japanese. Look at that. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this rapid-fire fun fact episode. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to send us an email <laughs> if you did. Yeah, and send us some fun facts. Maybe we'll read them out loud if you have some Japanese fun facts we didn't get to. Yeah, and let us know which one of my facts was superior (laughs) because they clearly were. But hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, bye. Bye.